Miriam is going to come and um, read to us Hi, Miriam, from Psalm 119, right in the middle of your Bibles. So if you can turn to Psalm 119. Thank you, Miriam. Psalm 119, beginning to read at verse 25. Verses 25 to 32. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Good morning, everybody. Let me add my welcome. <clears throat> um, it's great to see everybody with us, whether you're normally with us or you're visiting, um, or if you're joining us on the live stream as well. If you had closed your Bibles or you turned off your phone, if you want to open that back up to Psalm 119, um, and let me pray for us as you're doing that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy and the privilege that it is to come and sit under your word. We know that we come with weeks um, of experience that um, differ. Some of us have had great weeks, some of us may have had not so great weeks. And Father, we know that your word speaks to us in every situation that we face and because it is all-sufficient and all-powerful. And thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that we can meet here freely this morning. And Holy Spirit, we ask that as we gather and as we look at this word together, that you would impart it on our hearts and you would open our minds and you would, you would grow in us a greater joy and a love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Words to live by. Perhaps you've heard someone share a piece of advice or a phrase and you've thought, those are words to live by. You've heard that the early bird catches the worm, but for teenagers and students, it might be that the late worm misses the birds. Be yourself, everyone else is taken. Those are words to live by. Have you got words to live by? Have you got a personal mantra? of sorts. If at first you don't succeed, try, try, and try again. Personal favorite of mine is I'm too blessed to be stressed. If you're not five minutes early, you're late. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. It doesn't take long to kind of think of some of those, those phrases you may have heard. When you Google words to live by, you're met with countless pages of the 75 most inspiring words to live by. 900 plus words to live by, 50 motivational words to live by. And it got me thinking, in, in our society, in our culture, there are many words to live by, all tolerated, all each one's version of truth. And as we have spent time already and will continue to spend time in Psalm 119 this summer, it is clearer to me now that God in his goodness has given us words to live by. He's spoken to his people through his word in which we can delight 
and find hope. This morning, as, as we look at these eight verses from 25 through to 32 of this psalm, the first thing that we turn our attention to is that not only has God given us these words to live by, but he has given us life by his word. The psalmist will proclaim in these verses by your word. As the passage was read first, did you notice how verses 25 and 28 were quite similar in nature? How my soul clings to the dust almost seems to parallel, my soul melts away for sorrow. And how give me life according to your word mirrors, give me strength according to your word. This passage this morning, is, it's drawing us into to the pain and the anguish that the psalmist finds himself in. He is clinging to the dust. When I think of clinging, I think of someone being clingy, like, like that boyfriend who knows his girlfriend's way out of his league and he's just always there. Or that puppy that follows their new owner even into the bathroom. Or you may have seen the, the hang in there kitty poster where the cat holds on to the washing line. Clinging is something that, that we do voluntarily. You know, we cling on to what we hope for and, and what we want and need. But what we see at the start of this passage is the word cling is used, but it's not voluntary. It is his inability to get up. Just as man was formed from the dust and in death returns to the dust, he can't get up. He's nearing death and the psalmist feels the weight of his mortality. The psalmist clings to the dust. His soul melts away for sorrow in verse 28. He has eyes that pour out tears to God from, from the sorrow and the sadness that his heart knows. This is a person who has suffered and is suffering. That's a relatable character, right? We've all had our lives impacted by, by pain or sorrow or loss. So, so we can come to this passage knowing that there is something here for us. It's not some abstract poetry or song that has no relevance but it's a, song of, it's a song of Christian experience. It's a song of someone who believes in God. And it's a song with a chorus and a refrain of by your word. As we immerse ourselves in God's word, when, when faced with trials or with suffering, whether that's from within or whether it's forced upon us, we have this guide of hope. Look at, look at the second half of, of verse 25. The psalmist cries, give me life according to your word. Revive me through your word. The word of God brings life. The word of God brought forth life in creation. It brought forth life from the dust to create man. The word of God brought forth life to dry bones in Ezekiel 37. And the word incarnate, the, the Lord Jesus, he brought forth life as he, as he raised Jairus' daughter and Lazarus from the dead. God's word brings life. God's word revives our soul. By your word, God, give us life. He cries, my soul melts away with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. When when I'm in the depths of depression, when I sob uncontrollably, when I feel like there is no other way out, encourage me, God. Strengthen me, God. 
by your word. This is a passage of encouragement this morning. When we're at our lowest point, if we're in despair or in pain or in suffering, God will revive us and strengthen us by his word. How, how quickly do we pray for, for our afflictions to be over? Whether it's pressure in work or if it's a bully in the workplace or at school or in your sports team, whether it's an illness, your illness, the illness of a loved one, your financial concerns. My instinct is to pray that those things would diminish. We pray that for ourselves. We, we pray that for the church that is persecuted across the globe. We pray that over the injustices that we see both locally and further afield. And rightly so, because God is the only one who is in control of all those things. But the psalmist doesn't seem to, to be praying that here. He's not praying for his circumstances to be over or the pressure to be relieved, but he's praying for strength to endure. We endure by the word of God. A commentator, a guy called Christopher Ash, he comments on these verses and he says that, that God's word promises us rescue in the end. He, he promises that, that Jesus is coming back, there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth. But in, in the present, now, God's word, it promises us steadfastness in suffering. We're given a great example of, of Christian living here, of someone who is committing their, their life, their words, their prayers to God. There is as much hope in the valleys as there is joy on the mountaintops. And we enjoy this promise as, as we cry out, by your word, God. Revive my soul by your word. Strengthen me by your word. Encourage me by your word. Give me confidence by your word. Restore my hope by your word. Comfort me by your word. Remind me of your goodness by your word. May I be captivated by your word. But what does this look like? Well, if this peace and this hope comes from God, we respond and we embrace a life that is shaped by the way of his word. The psalmist is saying, I have been given life by your word that I may live by the way of your word. Life by the word and a word to live by. Regardless of, of the circumstances um, in which we find ourselves today, whether we've had one of those great weeks or whether we've had one of those miserable weeks, this will look like a deep and unrelenting dependence on God's word. Remember back to that first Sunday in this series when, when Richard brought us through those first 16 verses of this psalm, how the greatest means of, of survival and thrival, as, as Richard put it, that, that surviving and that thriving in the Christian life is a life of, it's a life of daily realignment, coming back to God's word and seeing where we're off. The psalmist prays back in verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. The, the psalmist knows that, that when we receive life by God's word, we are then called to live by the way of God's word. He prays, almighty God, I, I have life by your word, but now I will walk 
by the way of your word. God's word is a way, is a word of promise. It promises this unbreakable connection between the believer and God, who, who isn't the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And, and it's because of this unbreakable bond, we, we've used the word promise, covenant, commitment, this, this unbreakable bond that God holds together that the psalmist can say in verse 26, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. When I appealed to you as your beloved servant, according to your word of promise, I told you my ways, and then you answered me. I think that that verse 26 in in this section is the psalmist repenting or accounting of a time that, that he repented for his ways, his wayward ways. And here's why I think this. You'll see the word way several times through this passage. It's, it's here five times in these eight verses. And, and two, of, two of those are plural, ways, as in multiple ways. And, and the rest are singular, as in one way. The plural use of this word, it's, it's directed at the psalmist's ways. In verse 26, when I told of my ways, verse 29, put false ways far from me. And the rest are addressed to God, to God's word. He writes, by the way, the way of your commandments, the way of your precepts, the way of your faithfulness, the way of your commandments. This is such a long psalm, it's 176 verses, and, and it repeats themes and ideas as we go through it. But it's also, it's also very particular in its wording and in its structure. So, so what might seem like something insignificant might actually be the few words that, that pull it all together for us. God's way is the way. It's perfect, it is absolute, it is sure. So anything that deviates from that isn't the way. All the other ways that we can live by are not God's way. Nobody that, that I work with lives the way that I do but they also live in very different ways from one another. So there's, there's many words to live by. And you might be thinking, as I kind of thought as I wrote this, okay, Chris, you've opened up a whole other can of worms here. How do we know that God's way is the way? So let me deviate for 90 seconds and just touch on that. God's way is the only way that, that gives us a lasting and a sure hope and fulfillment. Some of my colleagues find their hope and fulfillment in the amount of commission that they can make, in their wealth, in their, in their security. Others in their intellect and skill. People find their hope and their value in their beauty, in their, their popularity. Some in their power and in their authority. But all of those things can be taken away. Redundancy or a financial crisis can can replace the, the hope that you had with despair. An aging brain can, can turn your intellect and skill to forgetfulness and clumsiness. Beauty fades. Friends will let you down. Those in power and authority can, can face a vote of no confidence. They cannot get reelected. There's a hostile takeover in the firm. But in the gospel, in God's word, all of those things could happen. 
All of those things could happen to one person and they still wouldn't lose hope because the gospel is a sure hope. In verse 29, the psalmist prays, put false ways far from me. In other words, keep, keep me away from deceitful ways. And what's the request of the psalmist in response to his own ways or to those false ways? He asks God to teach him, correct him, guide him. Teach me your statutes, verse 26. Graciously teach me your law, verse 29. Teach me your way, God. Our ways need corrected. They constantly need corrected to be aligned and realigned with God's way. False ways lead us away from God. So we need, to be, we need to be taught God's word to avoid those pitfalls. This section, 29 to 32, it is, it is bookended by grace. The request for God to, to graciously teach the psalmist, to teach him his law. And then in verse 32, God enlarging his heart. Literally opening, opening wide his heart that he may see and understand God's word. The psalmist reminds us that, that grace won't remove us from the pressure that we face, but it will definitely keep us going straight in the face of it, in the midst of that pressure. Keep false ways from me. Graciously teach me your law. When, when someone gets bitten by a poisonous spider or snake, they, they get rushed to the hospital. They... You know, the doctor comes out and says, do you know what snake bit you or what spider it was? And then they can administer the appropriate anti-venom or antidote for that. Well, here, the law, God's word, is it's the antidote to the lie. It's the, it's the antidote to the false ways. The law is the antidote to the false ways. Because he doesn't want to walk in false ways. He resolves in, in verse 30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. All day, every day, you and I, we make choices. And if we are to choose and to continue choosing the way of faithfulness, then we need to set God's word before us. We need, we need, to, we need before us the, the moral decisions that God makes that, that we may make them too. And for us to, to continue choosing faithfulness, well, we need to fix our eyes on the faithful one. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus models a life of perfection and perfect submission to the heavenly father. He, he models a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and dependent on the work of the Spirit. If if you're new to all of this, if, if you've come because you've been invited or you were sent the live stream link and, and this is new to you, I'd encourage you to, to grab a copy of Mark's Gospel and we'd be more than, more than happy to source one of those for you. It's a, it's a short account of, of the life and the ministry of Jesus. We'd love to chat to you more about that uh, because it, it's, it's life-changing. And it's, it's life-changing even in this passage. The soul that was clinging to the dust in verse 25 is now clinging to the testimonies of God in verse 31. The, the psalmist who was face down in the dirt 
in verse 25 is now in verse 32 running in the way of God's commandments. Even, even under the pressure that the psalmist is facing, the word of God gives him a liberty to sing, to sing of running in the midst of suffering. He says, in the midst of suffering, make me understand your precepts. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. If, if you're a parent, or perhaps you've helped at the Sunday school or um, at a kid's summer camp or whatever it might have been, you may be familiar with the Jesus Storybook Bible. I, I love the subtitle of the Jesus Storybook Bible. It says, every story whispers his name. And in these eight verses, it whispers his name. Where we're not only we're not only reminded of the psalmist experience, but also of our own as well. In the Gospel of John, John begins by talking about the Word. How in the beginning, there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word came and, and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus. And he is the word made flesh. He is the one in whom all creation was made for and made by. And he says in that same gospel account, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When the psalmist asks for life according to, according, sorry, if the psalmist, when the psalmist asks for life according to God's word, when he, when he tells God of his own ways, and ask for correction when he asks to understand the way of God's word. Sorry, my mic's gone. It's going AWOL. Is that better? Okay, hang on. Let's take a break. Is that better? I heard a click and I didn't know what happened and then I couldn't, I wasn't as loud anymore. So let's backtrack a little bit. I'm almost sweating after that. It got me all flustered. So in John's gospel account, he, he, he uses the words of Jesus. He, he accounts for the words of Jesus when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and in that same gospel account, and in that same gospel account, that's where he says those words. When the psalmist asks for life according to God's word, when he, when he tells God of his own ways and asks for correction, when, when he asks to understand the way of God's word, he is asking what you and I can ask this morning. That we can ask for the glorious grace of our hearts and minds to be opened to the way that God desires for us that we too can run in the way of his commandments when he enlarges our hearts, when he opens wide our hearts to see and know the truth of his way. Is that you this morning? Maybe you're here in, per in, in person. Maybe you're on the live stream. Maybe you're listening to this later in the work, in, in the week. Can you say that you find truth in his name? Can you, can you say that you find that your way 
in Jesus, that you find life in him, that you can boldly approach God the Father, the God of all creation in Jesus. If you haven't yet, you can. You still can. You can tell God of your ways today. You can turn to his word today. Let him answer you and teach you graciously. As you read the gospel, as, as you see time and time again that God is gracious to forgive, we all turn away. We all love ourselves more than, than and other things, more than the God who created us, but he is faithful even when we are faithless. And if you are here this morning, as many of us are, and, and you already know and love Jesus, push deeper into his word, a word that, that gives us life, a word that guides our way. In all circumstances and, and in all situations, we can, we can turn to this book. We can embrace these words to live by. We can embrace the life given by his word and we can live by the way that his word shows us. So if you're, if you're taking two things away today, it's that we are given life by his word and we are, giving, we are given the word to live by. In this Christian life, in, in all of its ups and downs, its, its joys and its sorrows, we have a constant hope in the gospel. We have a constant hope in, in Jesus. And it's in this book that, that we find all of our answers, all of our, all of our joys, all of our guidance that point us back to him and to realign our hearts and our minds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are so much bigger than, than anything we face. Thank you that even in in the depths of despair, in pain and sorrow, your word gives hope and it brings life and it brings strength. So Father, as we commit to, to spending more time with you in your word, longing to, to hear your voice more clearly through, through these passages, that we would then live by your word, that our lives would be marked by your word, that others would see your goodness through us because we are saturated in your word. We ask all these things in the most beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.